Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10... We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast which only has one button and is edited by Daryl using a 10-year-old Logitech Xbox controller. And that's a submarine joke for those of you who have not been following. Uh, today, I'm joined by Alex and Tom, uh, both of them graduate students in the UC system. And we're talking about this, this really obscene charge of assault that some graduate students are facing uh, after they disrupted an alumni event in San Diego. Hi, Alex and Tom. Do you want to introduce yourselves a little bit as far as you feel comfortable? Hi, James. Sure. Uh, thanks for having us back. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm a graduate student at University of California, San Diego. Um, some of you have been listening since November might um, remember when I uh, first came uh, on the show to tell you about our strike. And I guess we're going to give some uh, some interesting updates uh, since then. Yeah, uh, I'm Tom. I'm also a graduate student at UC San Diego. Um, I'm in uh, uh, pretty advanced in my program. I've been here for a while, um, and I am in a humanities department. Very cool. Yeah. Um. So, I think to start out with, we should just explain. We'll we'll explain what happened in detail at the event in a bit. But can you just explain what these charges that people are facing are and, and how they found out that they have been charged with assault after doing something which was not violent in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the most sort of recent thing that's happened is, is, and we'll talk about the details in a moment, but as James alluded to, um, we held a peaceful protest back in May related to um, a number of violations of our most recent collective bargaining agreement, which I'll also be happy to go into detail yeah. on. Um, and, uh, in response to, uh, what was, um, by all accounts, by what I witnessed by everyone else, uh, that I've talked to was a completely peaceful protest. Um, the university has decided to allege that, uh, 67 graduate students 
including by our count 18 who were either not present or not involved, are going to be charged under the student conduct process with committing a physical assault, as well as charges for disruption um, and uh, a vague um, uh, assertion that uh, we were threatening the health and safety of others. Um, these are quite serious allegations. They do uh, carry uh, potential sanctions up to um, long-term suspension and expulsion from the university. Right, yeah, and that's, um, I think people like, the, the exposure for graduate students is is so high, right? Like if, if you are on the job market, you know, this could set back your progress on, on an already very challenging job market. Uh, it, it's, suspension or expulsion presumably could have long-term consequences for your employability and something that like i think i spent the better part of eight years at ucsd uh, like it's a, you've invested a lot of time you get paid like shit uh and if, if you then get nothing out of it that is potentially devastating for, for each individual in this this is absolutely devastating these are our careers and we've invested uh, you know, a, a minimum of seven years, at least in humanities, find us many of us more. Uh, but it's also devastating for the university itself because these students that are being charged are uh, from, from virtually every program on campus, and many of them are working in, in very prestigious, high-powered laboratories, uh, uh, have, um, you know, fellowships and scholarships. Uh, so, so this is really a bad look for the university as well to, you know, potentially have 67 graduate students yeah. um, under these charges. Yeah, totally. Uh, 67. It's funny. I've been 68. We could have, uh, it's, 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 it's when I like, I don't know when I hear 68, obviously I think of like 1968 and uh, it's remarkable. This is a university uh, at one point, someone self-immolated at UCSD in, in protest oh, yes. of Vietnam war and uh now we are like it had a, a reputation for radicalism and now here we are charging people for walking onto a stage and shouting do you want to talk about the, the walking onto a stage and shouting can you maybe give us an account of of the events and then uh we'll talk about maybe how those have been represented in the process if that makes sense yeah sure um so this particular protest uh took place at um, an award ceremony, uh, very um, sort of uh, um, a fancy sort of annual event that the university hosts where they uh, give uh, awards to various alumni and kind of as a sort of uh, fundraising opportunity as well. Um, and uh, what uh, the protest took the form of was um, that uh, a number of um, graduate student workers uh, walked on stage um, uninvited and began uh, giving speeches and holding signs demonstrating um, the ways in which uh, and informing the audience of the ways in which that um, our contracts have not been upheld since we signed them in December. Um, the ways in which uh, the university is circumventing some of the raises that we were promised for our research and teaching um, and the ways it is trying to sort of um, prevent um those things from being resolved in the sort of normal channels that you go through with these sort of uh these sort of union and, and contract administration things um, and that's been ongoing for i suppose six months now with um relatively little process um so that demonstration uh took place uh about up until the time that uh some local police officers arrived and at that time the demonstration uh was 
uh, fully compliant with those orders. And the um, police officers noted such in their dispatch logs, which I was able to retrieve from the city. Um, and then after that, the demonstration continued outside of the uh, the venue of the event where uh, people were still able to, um, you know, make a, a decent amount of noise and, and raise uh, their grievances, um, despite the walls uh, separating the group from uh, the alumni inside. And it certainly did get some attention since we were in touch after that with um, people who were sort of relatively high up in a number of university and uh, alumni centric offices. Um, and who were um, surprised to hear of the things that we were alleging and um, wanted to hear more and be able to raise those issues further up into the university. So um, these charges certainly did sort of come as a shock, given that at first um, a lot of people at the event seemed uh, receptive um, in a way, uh, though certainly not all, but some were certainly receptive uh, to to uh, <laughs> our, our concerns and, and what we had to say. Yeah, I'll add a couple of uh, interesting details uh, there. And the first one is uh, that the immediate uh, uh, impetus for this event was actually the, the news that uh, Chancellor Brittany Kosala was in attendance. And uh, this was uh, only a week or two after it had become public knowledge that he had received a $500,000 raise. Uh, as an effort to keep him in the university, which raises his salary to uh, more than a million dollars, and I think makes him the fourth highest paid uh, university chancellor or, or, or president or dean in the United States. So we presented him with an award for uh, UCESD's most overpaid worker. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that was sort of our, our, uh, our rationale for, for doing this specific event. Um, the other thing is, is that when the police arrived, they actually made no verbal orders for us to clear out. Um, we, uh, as soon as we saw them, we peacefully started to leave the stage, um, and they stood there as well. No arrests were made, uh, no interviews were done, no orders were shouted. Uh, they remained on, on site uh, for the duration as we stood outside picketing. Um, there were no reinforcements, there were no SWAT teams, um, it was just one or two squad cars. The police typically are, are known for having outsized responses to minor problems, um, but the fact that they did not have any kind of uh, aggressive response to this uh, indicates to us that they were aware that it was an entirely peaceful event. Yeah, and the dispatch logs don't show them having any concerns about violence or responding to to any like real violence, them seeing any violence and responding to it, right? Yeah. So I was able to grab those and the um, yeah. It's it's difficult to say because it looks like maybe two people called nine one one, even though yeah. they, I think they, it, I think it was three. Did. It was three. Yeah. Two, yeah, two, two of them said no violence. Yeah. Two said there was no violence. The third person said they had secondhand reports that we had pushed the chancellor off the stage, which. We have video of that very definitely not happening. Uh, he stood next to the graduate students and then of his own initiative turned and walked off the stage. So the only allegation that's documented uh, in real time of any violence occurring was one admittedly secondhand and two is disproven um, conclusively by the available video. Right. And that video is online, right? Like it's been posted. Yeah, it's easy to that. find. There's a, that particular one that really easily proves it there's a vimeo link for the, the union uploaded it uh so i can we can drop that in the show notes i can send that to you yeah excellent we'll make sure we do that and likewise the um the pra uh that this publicly available folks can go see it um all san diego yeah. P pra is publicly available 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have like a lot of evidence that no one was violently assaulted. What is the university alleging that was done? I guess that they're claiming. What did they claim the student workers did? Well, the closest thing that we can find, so in in a um, you know in in the documentation that each uh, person was given about the charges that they face, uh, the closest thing we can find to a description that seems to um, imply assault was that um, someone claimed to have seen the chancellor. Uh, the word they used was "bumped," um, which doesn't even necessarily imply intentionality in my mind. Um, and and really, there's the way that I read that sentence is that, you know, possibly the stage was a little crowded and and someone might have bumped into him. And, but I don't even recall ever seeing that happen. I haven't talked to anyone who recalls seeing that happen, um, who, anyone who was in our group or not. Um, but other than that, um, the, the rest of the report is really just full of descriptions of how they, they, 
haven't I don't even think they talked to anyone who said they were scared of us. They just said people might have been scared of us. It's very strange. The report re reads like a propaganda from the glass floor. It's pearl clutching of the highest order. Uh, some champagne glasses were broken. Uh, <laughs> the event itself cost over $100,000 to set up with many different caterers and vendors. Uh, somebody flew all the way from Switzerland for the event. And I'm actually using our made up quotes from the report. Um, you know, and, and, and during the event itself, it's ironic because uh, I was at the event, uh, as, as were, you know, uh, an indeterminate amount of other graduate students. And, and we actually were assaulted by members of the crowd who come up and put their arms on our, or their hands on our shoulders and tell us, this is why people hate unions. And, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, I, I brought my, my nine year old grandmother to this and I have some, you know, uh, $50 million grant and I'm being honored for this, that the people thumping my chest, people thumping other people's chest, sticking fingers in our faces um, and telling us really that we ruined their special night. And our response was, you know, um, I think that our need to pay rent and uh, feed ourselves is a little bit more important than um, your special night at the, uh, at the art museum by the ocean with their glasses of champagne. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like it was even a, like, all that was happening was that people who had given them money or the, who they want them to, who they want to get money from were being made to feel special. It wasn't as if you even interrupted like a, uh, like a, a meeting or a function of the university. And unless we consider the function of the university these days seems to be to, to get money and then distribute it to people in positions of power in the university. So given that, right, that they, like this was a, just, an event, I guess, which reinforced the people who have authority in the university. It's interesting to look, or it's not interesting, it, it, it's upsetting to look at the nature of the, the process that these 67 people are facing, right? Because it's not, they're, they're not being accused in a court of doing a crime. They're being accused by the university in the university of breaking the conduct rules of the university. So they, the university is like a, it's all parties apart from the defendant, right? It's the judge, it's the jury, it's a prosecuting lawyer um, and the executioner. So can you, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll just say something about that. Um, you know, this, this was um, very much calculated on the part of the university to charge us as, as under the student conduct violation <laughs> because if they're charging us as students, they're not charging us as workers. If we had workers, uh, we would have union representation in our meetings. It would be a part of, of that litigation process. But as, as students, um, the, 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 the context of the labor fight that uh, was the result for the entire event is, is relevant and it can be divorced from that and, and treated um, under, you know, the music codes that are meant to uh, 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 charge undergraduates who are, are drinking in their dorms or are sexually harassing their peers in their classes. This is not something that is, in my view, appropriate at all to apply to a, a labor dispute, which is what this was. Yeah, like, I think the only time I've been party to these proceedings is when an undergraduate did physically assault someone who I was teaching with. But like it, it's not a normal procedure by any means. And certainly to use against grad students who are very clearly taking part in a labor action, I think it, it's very telling that the university is kind of using one system to circumvent the fair bargaining and the unfair labor practices and all the, the things that they seem really like they seem 
almost like inexplicably committed to to not uh, sticking to the contract, even though they got a contract that was largely favorable to them and not as much as, as people had wanted at the start of the strike. So how does it work from here? Like what, what does this process look like? Well, to start with, each of us um, has uh, an individual meeting with a, a representative of the university. Um, and at that meeting, we essentially have the response, the, the, the option to either accept responsibility for all the charges against us um, or to um, say that we do not accept that responsibility and want to continue the process forward, at, at which point they will um, they will schedule or attempt to schedule um, a, a conduct review board meeting where uh, I believe three representatives from uh, who have been sort of predetermined to serve on these conduct review boards will uh, judge uh, the, the weight of the evidence um, uh, in a preponderance of the evidence standard. And uh, at that point, then the Office of Student Conduct, if, if you are found responsible, I believe that office is then what uh, decides uh, what the sanctions are um, that you will face. Um, so this this is uh, a bit of an unprecedented process, at least for us. Um, we actually, I believe, and I want to clarify some numbers, I think I said 67 graduate students uh, earlier. Um, there were actually 59 from this event who were charged. Um, and that 67 comes from eight who were charged for a protest related to um, the university's attempt to fire workers for striking, which is still ongoing. Um, that protest took place in January, and there, that uh, conduct process for those eight workers has not yet resolved uh, as we speak oh, wow. today on June 20th. So it's not clear how they are going to manage the logistics of trying to charge six, or, uh, 59 uh, workers in a single case. Um, it could, assuming they follow their entire procedures by the book and don't dismiss any charges, it could take more than a year to resolve the situation. Jesus. And for people who have... Uh, like they're either defending or advancing to candidacy or um, these, these are all things you can do within grad school. For people who aren't familiar where you, where you sort of level up your grad student status, I guess. Um, <laughs> are people able to do that? Yeah. Luckily um, this does not restrict your academic advancement. It can potentially, if it goes from quarter to quarter, they can potentially put, I believe holds on registration, but I think that's only if you don't, sort of uh, carry out your sanctions, uh, assuming your sanction is not suspension. I could be, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But what still could be the case is that you could, you know, and it could well be the case for me that I defend before the conclusion of this process, but um, it could still end up as something that would be on a uh, a conduct record that could be released um, in certain employment situations. So um, even if uh, you are able to uh, escape um, the process, uh, so to speak, um, it is not necessarily um, not going to follow you um, after that point. I'll add that um, by all indicators, um, from those who have already had their first meeting, I'm asking, you know, do you accept responsibility? And of course, they've said, no, we deny all, all, all allegations against us. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it seems as if the Office of Student Conduct is, is quite overwhelmed by this. Uh, people have been trying to schedule meetings, have not gotten responses from the office. Uh, the office then gets back to them a week or two later with, you know, only one or two options. Uh, the the really uh, 
calculated evil with this is that these charges dropped on the very last day of the quarter, which means that, uh, at least in, in the arts and humanities, um, most of us are, are going out of town or are uh, uh, conducting research or are on, on fellowships. Uh, so we're not around to uh, respond to these. And I think that that was a, a decision that was purposefully made, that, you know, to, to process just the sheer number of students involved in this is staggering. And I, I think that the, um, the office development offices are really struggling. The other thing that I will say is uh, we have it uh, from informal channels that this is something that is being uh, directed from the very top, which is to say from the chancellor's office. That uh, this is not something that uh, you know, impartial observers, you know, made, but something that the chancellor himself uh, is directing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense given the chancellor was there. It also like. It's just put me in mind of 2010 when I don't think either of you were at UCSD, but for those of us who were, and there's a film about it actually called Dear White People. Um, but there, there was a, a a party where people wore blackface uh, and this happened, uh, I think, through a fraternity that was associated with the university. And getting the university to do anything disciplinary about that required hundreds if not thousands of people to go on strike, to march, to occupy the Chancellor's complex and, and to like physically demand action for weeks and weeks, if not months, and from the Chancellor's system, right? Like and, and still it was an extremely unsatisfactory process. The resolution was was extremely unsatisfactory. But I guess uh, that the, there's a contemporaneous uh, incident happening right now. I don't know all the details, but uh, it, it appears that an individual uh, was uh, video or videotaped himself um, progressing, uh, screening with his professor on it, and making new comments um, and, and a whole variety of, of really misogynistic, creepy behavior. Uh, uh, apparently, this is his, his third restraining order that he's received. As far as the university is concerned, this is still a case that's that's moving through it. Um, it doesn't appear to have had any immediate sanctions. Uh, we've heard stories of sexual assaults, as you said, of, of racist um, harassment that have, have really gone nowhere. I actually reported a student uh, last summer for uh, very threatening behavior, um, and the very next quarter he was in my class. So, yeah, it, it's. Uh... It's it's yeah the only thing that sort of they jump to defend is capital I guess or, or the, in this case the sort of administrators of the university and so this this could potentially play out for months. What's the and it seems like everyone has accepting responsibility is such a strange word because uh, like the, what's what happened is what's at question really not who's responsible for it so much right like. You can accept responsibility for doing what was a protected First Amendment activity, but like you obviously can't accept responsibility for assault if you didn't assault somebody. And um, but given that if, no one, if if sixty seven students had assaulted Chancellor Freddie Postma, uh, uh, you, you would think that it would have made national news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. would have been. Uh, yeah, that would have been something. I think. Yeah, I that's like a beat down, but that didn't happen. So. What's the plan for defense? I guess is each case like an individual case? Can they mount a? Can people mount a joint defense like the J twenty one people did in DC? Do we know yet? Like, how does this work? 
I'm not sure we, we entirely know yet. I think the university can make the decision to consolidate cases that share evidence. I don't believe they've made that determination yet. I yeah. think what they are trying to do now, and, and this sort of leads into another part that, that it, I think represents a degree of um, sort of apathy border on cruel, bordering on cruelty of this process yeah. is that uh, we've identified at least 18 um, graduate students who were either not physically present at all or had yeah. merely registered for the event without even knowing that this would take place. Um, and those people have all been charged with the exact same things that everyone who was intentionally part of the protest has been. So we think that we're at the individual stage where they are trying to kind of, they know that they, 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 they're well aware that they caught a bunch of people that had no involvement in this. Um, but we think that we're using really these individual meetings to figure out who those people are uh, to the best of their ability. Um, and, and perhaps further down the line, they may decide to try to consolidate these cases to expedite the process. But mm -hmm. um, it, it's hard to say for sure. Um, the, again, this, the, the important aspect of this process is the fact that almost every element of it and every step and how that is carried out is entirely at the discretion of a handful of university administrators. Um, there's no a, real appeal outside of the system. There's no real accountability outside of the system. Um, so they can simply implement these things, um, you know, as as they see fit. I mean, this there was uh, um, uh, in so when this eventually first broke, there were some um, former graduate students who who run an old uh, radical uh, UC Twitter account who shared some mm -hmm. write ups from a. Uh, Cases of uh, sit-ins uh, that were charged under the same process, I believe, at Berkeley a couple of years ago. Um, and in that one, the uh, the administrators at, at the Berkeley campus actually went as far as to edit the code of conduct during the process. Surely you're not responsible for like ex post facto edits of the code of conduct, or were they? They were. Jesus um, well, this Christ. was primarily in in you know in all fairness, if they deserve yeah. any, this was that that particular incident was kind of a logistical thing. So it was, um, it was whether or not uh, certain aspects of the process could be waived or could be could be extended. The deadline could be extended, okay. and someone who didn't have the authority to extend it did. Yeah. And when they were called on that, they edited the code of conduct after the fact to say that <laughs> okay, a designee can extend the deadline for, you know, how this process proceeds. So it wasn't that they invented a rule to charge someone under, but they did uh, edit their own due process as they went along. Right. Yeah. So you're, you might be up against a moving target, so to speak. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. 
Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to the European Political Systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did they identify everybody? Like, did because I'm presuming people didn't use their legal names to register. Or like, how were they able to identify? Some of the people, clearly the people who were just there as undergraduate alumni and happened to be graduate students probably did use their real names. But uh, do you know how else they identified people? Um, well, I think they did. You know, some people did. Um, my, I, I assume that I was caught with my uh, real name on the registration. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was simply because, I, you know, some, some people decided um, to use different names um, I, uh, decided after weighing the pros and cons of that, I decided that it was, I, you know, I, I figured that there might be, it might be a worse situation if that was, mm-hmm. you know, unraveled. Um, and I didn't think that obviously I had no plans of assaulting someone and I did not assault anyone. So yeah. I had no reason to expect that perhaps I needed to take that level of precaution with this kind of a peaceful, um, uh, protest action. Um, but I, we believe that they primarily, um, got, uh, the names of, uh, who did, um, who, who, who they decided to charge from simply registration lists. But again, the fact, and there was a sign in at this event where you picked up a name tag and, you know, it was kind of a gate. You couldn't really get in without doing that. Um, but they still gave charges to people who actually we know for a fact were not physically present and have been able to prove that they were not physically present. So it doesn't seem that they even bothered to consult at least initially the actual sign in list of people who actually showed up and checked in. Um, which is also a bit strange. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it seems to be a, a very haphazard process so far. Right. There are people who have been charged who weren't there. There are people who were there who haven't, you know, necessarily been identified at this point in time. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery. 
Yeah, and we'd love we'd love to find out too, because you know if, if they for some uh, for some reason were able to determine using uh, union lists, that obviously would be a, a, a massive unfair labor practice. Yeah. Yeah. And already it seems like an unfair labor practice and a violation of like First Amendment rights and protected First Amendment speech. And Jesus, it, it it's yeah, it just seems that they're sort of half assing this thing, which could have devastating consequences for some people. And, and they like they've, they've just kind of thrown a wide net and, and sort of, I guess, trying to work out after the fact what to do with this. Has it had like a chilling effect on on campus organizing, on protesting their ongoing contract violations? No, not at all. <laughs> you can't scare us. We're sticking to the union. Um, you know, ironically, uh, uh, as, as many of your listeners are probably aware from listening to earlier episodes of your podcast, you know, there have been a lot of tension on campus between uh, the, uh, the arts, humanities, social sciences, and the STEM, uh, you know, dating back to the strike and, and even before. Um, and, and it had actually gotten uh, substantially worse uh, in the last couple of months uh, based on the um, the vacancy elections that were held in April. Uh, this, ironically, uh, uh, seems to be a huge miscalculation on the part of the university because uh, a lot of those issues, although they haven't gone away, have been absolutely subsumed and the, uh, you know, the injury to one is an injury to all mentality. Um, so there, there is a, a great amount of solidarity, but going into the summer, I don't think any work around campus really expected. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. That's great to hear. So talking of solidarity, I guess, what can people do to help? Like, it, it seems like, do you have a legal defense fund? I don't know if you're even allowed to have a lawyer. Is, is there something they can sign? Is there someone they can write to? Should yeah, join? Well, go ahead. Uh, so, so there is a petition uh, circulating okay. around for, uh, for current students, faculty, alumni, and community members. Uh, the address for that is uh, bit.ly slash UCSD drop the charges. One word. All lowercase. All lowercase. Yeah. Anything else? Like, are you... Would you plan, like, marches and, and pickets and stuff as the process continues that people could join? Yeah, definitely. And and if um, if you sign that petition, that's uh, one way we're, we're so the petition sort of has the dual goal of of sort of getting, um, you know, demonstrating uh, to the administration that there's a wide level of awareness of this issue and concern over this issue, um, but also to make sure that anyone who wants to be involved um, in any way that they're able uh, to support us will um, be able to be kept in the loop. So if you um, use an email the address that you actually read uh, when you sign the petition, you will certainly hear about um, any actions that we have. Um, we are still very much in the early planning stages as as um, Tom alluded to earlier, there is, um, you know, a certain, as there appears to be a certain aspect of strategizing here where uh, the, the charges were given uh, right at the point where campus becomes the least populated potentially yeah. of any time throughout the whole year, except perhaps Christmas. Um, but, you know, there's still plenty of graduate students here. Uh, they are all, um, you know, just as shocked as we are uh, to see this unfolding. Um, so I think we can definitely plan uh, for, uh, you know, some kind of actions to take place this summer. Nice. Yeah. 
And maybe we'll get some more student conduct violations out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be good if alumni, if, if people are alumni, like I know a decent number of UC alumni listen and they reached out when we talked about the strike. Like it would be great if those people could leverage that status because uh, the, the UC goes hard on alumni for donations. And they've stopped calling me now. Uh, they know I'm poor. But uh, <laughs> I think those those of you who the UC is still calling for donations, you know, that would be a good time to raise this. Or you know, you could email or or whatever, email the alumni office. Um, but yeah, it's this is obscene and ridiculous, and obviously like a continuation of union busting and their fundamental refusal to acknowledge student workers as workers, apparently, and and only see people as students. And so, is there anything else you want? people to know about this you anything else you'd like people to do to show solidarity before we wrap up um no, I, th- I think the big thing is just you know sign the petition that'll help you mm-hmm. you know kind of stay in the loop especially if you're uh kind of in the local area um and and are able to uh um come out and join us in solidarity for any protests um yeah again if you're a uc alum of of any kind certainly uh make your thoughts known to uh ucsd um because apart from I would say the the two people, the two groups of people who have the most power to act in in decent numbers in the situation are professors and alumni. Um, and oh, yeah. and so that would be yeah, like what you said. That's a huge, mm-hmm. um, a huge uh, would be a huge point of support. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think just um, the, the way you know I've I've been here for um, almost six full years now, um, and you know, I've, four of those were without a union. I'm a student researcher, so our union is brand new and you can go back to the November episode to hear that whole story. Um, but my point is that, you know, um, before we had this kind of um, network and, and and this kind of collective organization to protect our rights, a lot of, you know, I, I've seen a lot of friends who through no fault of their own uh, ended up in some kind of, you know, one-sided process where it's them versus the bureaucracy, whether that's you know, they're a bad relationship with their professor or, or you know, any number of things that might have come up along the way, um, health issues leading to lower, you know, not, not not finishing work on time and, you know, getting on the bad side of advisors or anything like that. You know, it is very easy in the status quo of the way the large university works to fall through the cracks and to have a bureaucracy act in secrecy to just simply kind of remove you without anyone really saying a word. So Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is to keep eyes on this, to make sure the university knows that people are watching, um, that they can try to um, bring this process against us, but it is not going to be a pleasant experience because, you know, the public and, and the, the, the workers here and the community here are going to be watching and they're going to be supporting us. So I think just just keep keep an eye on the situation if you can, if it's something um, that that you're interested in and able to do, um, and that that's really the biggest way I think um, to support us. I will also say that uh, if you are a uh, UC admin, um, either statewide or in UC San Diego, um, the easiest way to prevent future alumni or events from being disrupted is to actually honor the contract. <laughs> Yes, that would be yeah. a fantastic idea. Yeah, I do know several uh, professors listen, so it's time to do something. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, they, hopefully they will do something in solidarity. But I, I know a few of them listen and have reached out before. Well, thank you very much. I'm sorry this shit is happening to you. Uh, we will keep people updated. 
as the long process continues. But yeah, I hope uh, I hope you can enjoy your summer without teaching a little bit, without this hanging over you. We'll try. It's uh, that's kind yeah. of my motivation. Is they you know they're using it as a little bit of a psychological warfare in terms of labor organizing. So I will just simply choose not to let it bother me at least as much as I can. Yeah. Same. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Thank you. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.